Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlands podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 141. I know that we're late, but we had this thing, and we are late because of it. Yes. <laughs> it was just another one of those tough weekends, and this is going to be a very loose show because this show is going to be put on the air, so to speak, uh, Tuesday night. Uh, we are currently recording this on Tuesday night, so it's going to be just a weird, low sleep, high alcohol, no dinner, savage burn through uh, several weird subjects and more pissing and moaning about Marvel, which is rapidly becoming simultaneously my best hobby and my greatest fear in life. Rob, why can't I feel my face? <laughs> We haven't poured the scotch yet. <laughs> I've got the beers, but you haven't done the scotch yet. You're supposed to keep me in line. I need help. I was going to go with Chardonnay tonight, but it's kind of feeling like a scotch night now. I'm barely holding it together. <laughs> you have to help me. I might have a half bottle left after last night. Oh, you won't have any after tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it was just one of those weird weekends, but by God, uh, there was stuff that we wanted to talk about, and uh, we threw that out because we didn't have time to prep that. So... <laughs> Well, we had other stuff that we wanted to talk about, and we felt it was important to bring it to you, dear listeners. Uh, th- thank you. <laughs> you're, you're the only reason anybody listens to this shit show. <laughs> I swear to God, it's just like I, I see it on you know the rare Facebook comments we get. People comment more about you and about the sound effects. The sound effects are pretty awesome. <laughs> it's a, a, a we had someone comment on Facebook this week uh, on something we said. No, where's my whiskey funnel? That's what the fine gentleman commented on. Where and is? He was, he was right to do it. Where is your whiskey funnel? That's a, that's a good question. I'm an alcoholic. I can't, it's, it's like I can't even get you to wear the beer hat that I bought you. It's because I don't need machinery to get it down my head. I'm not some form of amateur. No, I need my headphones on or I can't hear myself. But I can hear myself, but I, I can't hear. I burn my family alive. I like to light things on fire. And that's all I seem to want to hear these days. <laughs> I mutter it to myself at my day job. I'm not going to be there long. <laughs> Is that before or after you mutter other things like goat fucker? <laughs> I don't mutter that. <laughs> I shriek that directly at the outside of my monitor about four or five times a day while my shit doesn't compile. Ah. <laughs> so it's it's one of those weeks. Strap in. <laughs> No, it, was, it was just a weird weekend, and uh, we just weren't able to... We had great plans to talk about five or six different books, and then stuff would come up, and we'd have to go out, and errands popped up. So, uh, yeah, it, it wound up being... You know, also, it, it was... We would <laughs> we'd get distracted in horror by the news, which we will not talk about. So, And then you notice, it's like, oh, it's an hour and a half later, and I'm, uh, I don't want to do anything. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's hard not to talk about it, but yeah, we shouldn't talk about it. Although I don't know how we don't talk about it with fucking Marvel. But anyway. I'm sure it will come up. (laughs) Marvel and another well-advised event coming. First couple issues came out last week, but we'll we'll get to that. We finally, the best decision we've made in the last 72 hours was to drink. But other than that, it was to distract ourselves from anything that was happening in the world. Uh... DC Films, uh, Warner Brothers Animated, uh, just came out with a direct-to-video uh, movie, uh, yes. Justice League Dark, which 
we liked as part of the new 52, at least. It in was... It. It was all right in that kind of Constantine light kind of way. It definitely was Constantine light. And yes. it was interesting to see those characters together, putting them in a Justice League context as part of the New 52 with no members of the actual Justice League other than Zatanna. Who, <laughs> I, I, I'm getting, She's sort of an honorary member at this point. After about 1979, yeah. she sort of hits honorary, and that's about all she gets. <laughs> so, I mean, it was an interesting concept. While very much it's like, this isn't Hellblazer, son of a bitch! (laughs) Good enough. Yeah, although the only thing that saved me from actively being angry about where they went with Constantine in New 52 is the fact that Peter Milligan's run had petered out so unceremoniously that it was hard to be like, oh, the good old days, because the good old days hadn't been good since at least before issue 250. Yeah, it's a it really sort of Hellblazer. Sort of, we were talking about Hellblazer for a minute. I thought you we were talking about Justice League Dark. I'm no. like, 250? Was, was I drunk? <laughs> Hellblazer. <laughs> did I black out for 10? No, oh, shit, that'd be 22 years or so. <laughs> well, you did. I didn't want to tell you. I, I have. But it's the, the new, 21st century. But now. the new 52 did not break in 1992 <laughs> when I decided, you know what? I could probably drink more than I think I can. <laughs> It's that first blackout where you wake up and ask all your friends, what did I do? Was I okay? What did I do? And you realize you were fine, and then you're not afraid of it anymore? Then you should be afraid. 1992. (laughs) So if Justice League Dark came out in about November 1992, that would fit. Mm. What were we talking about again? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Where where are my pants? (laughs) I've had a lot of caffeine, and now I'm pouring alcohol on top of it. Oh, this bodes well. (laughs) Would you, like this, to, would you just like an eight ball? This, no, I just examined my life quickly. I've, <laughs> I've had a lot of caffeine. I'm pouring high-toned IPA down my throat to talk on the public internets about a cartoon. How you like me now, Ma? How you like me now? <laughs> I don't know, but our neighbors fucking love us. I've, I've, <laughs> I've made good choices. We've made good choices. <laughs> I made Show eye <laughs> I made eye contact with a neighbor today. <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. Why I didn't you mean to. I, I went outside to go get the garbage bin. And she was out at the same time, and eye contact happened, and begrudging waves. And no, nah, it's not. <laughs> it was. It was an interesting moment. She had gray hair. I hadn't really looked directly at her before. <laughs> she shuffled out in her house coat. I don't know why she wore that to work, but it must be a great dress code. Fucking Audi. (laughs) She somehow fits into that garage. Barely fit my car in our garage. And then it was a fleeting moment. It was gone. I went back inside. (laughs) It was snowing. (laughs) Amanda, everybody. Amanda. (laughs) So Justice League Dark. uh, Yeah. Brand new film by uh, Warner Brothers Animated. Uh, so yeah, just came out uh, last week. We managed to put our hands on it, and uh, we were really interested in seeing it because it really feels like for the last couple of years, uh, DC has sort of tried to release these animated movies as sort of a trial balloon for what they might do with the actual yes live action films, like Batman Assault on Arkham, which had Suicide Squad. That was in 2014, and that did well, and that led to the Suicide Squad movie last year. And 
Justice League Dark slash Dark Universe, they're calling it now, mm. has been sort of on the DC Films docket almost since New 52 came out. Guillermo del Toro was attached to it for a long time. Yes. Which made me very excited. And then he got and, bored and, and did something else. Well, no, then, <laughs> then he left to do Pacific Rim 2, which made me very not excited. <laughs> Fine, go play with your giant robot suit things. What Pacific Rim is for... <laughs> I, I didn't hate it. Have you seen it? I have seen it. I, I th- it appeals to the people in the world that like uh, Voltron and Godzilla. Which is fine, and that's that's a lot of people. It I, is a lot. And, and, and in the right moment, I too like Voltron and Godzilla. But you know what I like better than that? Justice League Dark. <laughs> there you go. There you go. More I, specifically... Constantine. So <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know I I lost my last Shogun Warrior toy when I was about thirty eight. I mean uh, twelve. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he the, flushed it down the toilet. Everybody. <laughs> and, uh, I, I wanted it to be an advance guard to make sure what I flushed down there before there didn't try to come back. Good Nobody choice. wanted that. <laughs> so it could have been like something out of Pacific Rim. Uh, no, you'd need more than a giant robot. <laughs> And you wouldn't want to step on it, even with a giant robot. Then you need Justice League Dark. Exactly. <laughs> you really need John Constantine and an old-fashioned Hellblazer exorcism. Yeah. Poop jokes, everybody. We are, after all, <laughs> professional podcasters. <laughs> this, nobody gives us money for this shit. <laughs> We're the worst form of amateur. We got too drunk to tape on the right day. Let's do it today, okay? <clears throat> Let me scroll down some notes. What notes? You're right. Let's live. I'm drinking dinner tonight. I'm drinking dinner right now. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, Del Toro, he's gone off to do more giant robots, which, you know, was fun to watch the first time, but uh, I'm done. That, yeah. that was plenty. Uh, so, yeah, now it's called Dark Universe. Doug Lyman, uh, who did the first uh, Born Identity movie, mm. uh, and I think, he, I think he directed Swingers. I what? could be wrong on that, but I, I think he directed Swingers. I thought Favreau directed Swingers. I, I thought Favreau wrote Swingers, but... I drink. I, I can't watch Swingers anymore. <laughs> that, that one scene where he leaves 76 messages to the new girl that he met, that just cuts too close to the quick <laughs> for me at about 19. I can't watch it anymore. But So, yeah, I, I think it's Doug Lyman not going to investigate to find out. So, Does this mean that we're potentially looking at a movie where Constantine leaves Zatanna 76 voicemails? Well, yeah, because he's money and he fucking knows it. <laughs> Jesus. But, uh, so yeah, either way, it's in pre-production, sort of production, uh, that sort of weird limbo like Sandman was in when Joseph Gordon-Levitt was working on it and then not working on it. I- I'm I'm really not sure. And I'm I'm wondering if whether or not that proceeds doesn't have a lot to do with how Justice League Dark does and was received. Yes. So Particularly when you have other little things that pop up in the social media world, like recently, well, stepping back from recently, back this summer, uh, Warner, Warner Brothers Animation put out the animated killing joke. Yes. And recently, Jared Leto, in a bid to stay relevant, put up <laughs> on his... Don't you <laughs> diss Jordan Catalano. <laughs> I think that was it. What was that show? I am My the, so-called life. That's I, right. I did not watch that show. Uh, uh, I think I saw it like twice. I'm like, pretty boy. Yeah. Uh, Freaks and geeks for life. Anyway. The, uh, <laughs> yes. 
where I was going with that is up on Jared Leto's Instagram, he put a series of things culminating in a a picture that it suggested the killing joke to, to make it seem like, hey, this might be my next project. So. <sighs> okay. Yeah. It know. was wrong and you knew it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying that this is the thing that showed up on social media. Well, so, uh, to yeah, go off on yet another tangent, uh, Batman... No, it was announced this week that Affleck's not directing it, apparently. Yes, although he's still writing it with Jeff Johns. Yes, so he's writing it. He cares enough to do that. Uh, Did he say... You're the one who read the the stuff on the internet about why he was leaving. Did he make any statement, or was it just, yeah, he's no longer attached? No, he said something to the effect of, um, it would not be expedient for me to both direct this movie and star in it. Which is weird because he, didn't he get an Oscar for directing and starring in Argo? Yeah, he's directed and starred in all his movies except uh, the first one uh, that was his brother. What the hell was it? I own it. It's right over there. Um, is it Mystic River? No, no. We we had this discussion yeah. a week or two ago. <laughs> it's a movie. I re- Gone Baby Gone. I really Gone like Baby the movie, Gone? but clearly that title just is not going to stick in my fucking head. I don't know. That movie made me stabby. <laughs> <laughs> So I only watch it when you're not around. It's that's, made me stabby. That's and that's fine. <laughs> Look, it's about it's about people from Quincy, not this part of Boston. It's fine. Oh, it's okay, fine. all right. It's not about you. <laughs> we don't oh, in this part of town. What do you mean it's not about me? What are they saying about me? We don't have we don't have a quarry in this part of town to throw a baby in. Oh. <laughs> so I, I suppose it's possible. Although, yeah, if Affleck's still writing it, you know, he's the one who did the test footage of uh, Deathstroke. With Joe Manganiello, I guess. Yes. Uh, so if it's going to be that same script, that can't be the killing joke. No. So, yeah. Just Again, in a bid to stay relevant, Jared Leto posted something to social media. Just clawing at the spotlight with both hands. Yeah. <laughs> swinging his Oscar around. <laughs> is that an, oh, is this an Oscar in my pants, or have I defecated on myself to simulate being the Joker? <laughs> He's a weird fucker, is what I'm saying. He's a weird guy. Lido, can't you find some groupie to do that for you? <laughs> Jesus. What's 30 Seconds to Mars doing these days? <laughs> Meth. <laughs> so anyway, back to Justice League. We're going to be all over the place, <laughs> clearly. So it, yes, as a trial balloon for what Dark Universe might be, uh, it, it all depends on how it's received and how it sells. We received it. What'd you think, Amanda? I enjoyed it. No. <laughs> I enjoyed it. it. It was, to be fair, in context, it was a welcome distraction from the six hours of news coverage we watched about our country. But yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, at that point, I think I would have enjoyed watching Gone Baby Gone. So <laughs> moving on. <laughs> the, uh, Wait until we talk about Marvel to get to present. <laughs> no, I. I think um, what I was most excited about was that Matt Ryan, who played Constantine in the short-lived television show, was coming back to voice Constantine for this film. I felt as though it took him a little while to find his footing and get consistent on his accent again. Did I do that? Was that me? No, it was uh, just my computer shitting on me and making me wet my pants because the screen went black and clearly something happened. Oh, okay. So, uh... This show may not go to anybody, but we're still recording, so we're good. All right. So uh, anyway, you, you were saying before I wet my pants. Okay. Um, I was looking forward most to the fact that Matt Ryan was reprising, at least in voice, his character, Constantine. Okay. Yes, I'm with you. Uh, yeah, he clearly has a lot of love for 
if not the character playing the character. Yes. Because he was he was the one consistently solid part about that show, which really died before its time. Because it started off like shit. It was <laughs> if you go back through our archives, we uh, we got a hold of the pilot long before it actually aired, <laughs> yes. thanks to a kind soul at our local comic store, and uh, it was uh, hot garbage, uh, lukewarm garbage. It, it was, was not good. It was uh, yeah. It was uh, it was not good. Yeah. It was, Bad. No, it, it, was, was, it was bad. Yes. It, it's not good. It had exactly one thing, this line. I'm a nasty piece of work. Ask anybody. Which was written by Alan Moore. Yes. So. And, but but that Matt Ryan sold, which is why it's like, all right, this is the guy. Now can we actually get him a vehicle? Yes. <laughs> so it got canceled, and he was willing to bend his schedule to come back to play the character again in Arrow last season. What was yep. that, season five? Yes. So, yeah, it was it was great to... Yeah, again, with voiceover, it's a lot easier to fit that into your schedule. Uh, yeah, you could Skype that in. <laughs> <laughs> Probably did. But. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't buy all of the chemistry between all of the characters. That is that is one drawback I felt the movie had. And again, I don't know how they recorded the voices for this, but if they didn't have everybody in the same room, which it felt like it kind of showed, because that, there were some moments where it just felt like there were some line readings rather than actual interaction. That really rarely happens in most animation projects. Everybody records their stuff separately, be it animation or video games or whatever. I'll take your word for it. It's Yeah, don't ask me why I, why I know that. <laughs> did I pull it out of my ass? Maybe. <laughs> Very possible. Did I, did I dream it last night in between dreams of just smoking 10 Marlboros at a time? <laughs> Very possible. But that's my understanding. Okay. Actually, it seems to me in reading about uh, Archer, where it sounds clearly like everybody is riffing off each yeah. other, that's not the case. Okay. They, they all record their stuff individually. And no, think, note to the Warner Brothers people, then, talk to the Archer people next time you do voice direction. Well, it's, <laughs> I think that's part of the problem. While I'm psyched Matt Ryan was willing to come back to do it, he's clearly not a voice actor. Mm. So it was probably a case of, yeah, as an actor used to dealing with people, yeah, in a room alone with a microphone, that's not the same thing. Trust somebody who did radio. When you're alone <laughs> in a room with a microphone, it takes a little while to learn how to just sort of let it go. Well, that's just it. I felt over the course of the movie, he got more relaxed and more into the character. So I, I think as things went on, it, it got better. Yeah, it's, a, it's very possible they recorded his stuff front to back. Yeah. So in which case, yeah. But yeah, particularly early on, there was stuff where it seemed like he was reading lines, but still. Yeah, and also I think the accent was uneven initially too, so it took I him a while. I think he's actually English. I don't think he's faking his accents. <laughs> no, but he had a particular cadence down when he was when he had the character more or less nailed in the show. I didn't notice anything. Uh, I, I guess I guess that's possible. The, to be fair, also the the, uh, the version of the movie that we watched was inconsistent in its sound quality. That is true. Uh, we didn't run it through the uh, excellent home theater system. No, we did not. So, we did not. So, it, yeah, it's possible there was a sound issue. It's, it could be as simple as, uh, yeah, he's not doing it every day for months and months at a time now. Yeah. So, he's, uh, oh, yeah, shit. Uh, I'll get it back. I'll get it back. <laughs> but, no, I mean, overall, though, I, I, I enjoyed it. I would watch another Justice League Dark movie. I would welcome its opportunity to come to a big screen with actual live actors, particularly given how much I enjoyed Doctor Strange this past uh, fall. Yes. So I'm I'm down for this. 
Yeah, uh, there were certain things. Certain. I want to go into a little more detail about yes. this. Uh, yeah, that's not my final word <laughs> on it. I'm just. <laughs> oh, really? I thought we were done. This has been episode 141 of Blow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. He was wrong, and you knew it. Yes, I knew it. But, uh, <laughs> but going. Uh, well, stick with Constantine, because I think of all these characters, Constantine is both of our favorites. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, Batman was in it, but the problem is it wasn't um, Kevin Conroy. Is that the... Yeah, it wasn't. I forget who it was did some the... some other uh, guy. Yeah. And whenever you don't have Kevin Conroy, you have not Kevin Conroy, and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, at this point, if it's not Kevin Conroy, like, even if it's animated... That, yeah, even if it's that other guy from the Drew Carey show who does a passable Batman... Diedrich Bader. Yes, thank you. Yes, but but he does a passable 1960s Batman. At any moment, he could break into dance. <laughs> I hate evil and all in its carnations. My parents are dead. Batusi, everyone. I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. Amanda, am I doing it? Um, Sure. <laughs> it, it, sure. You're going to win a dance contest. Pulp Fiction with that. That's, that's where that's going. I thought that was the Batusi. Shit. That's all right. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, that, that just shows how goddamn unprinted. Normally, when we do a movie show, I've got a list of every actor and the role they played. In this one, there was Matt Ryan and other and other. And I know there were name people who yeah. did some of them because I remember after about eight beers, when the credits go, it's like, oh shit, I didn't know it was that guy. Yeah, that yeah. that guy as of now, not Matt Ryan. <laughs> Matt Ryan and not Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan and his uh, voiceover friends. Yes. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> So it was good to have his voice back. This movie had the same problem that the Justice League Dark Book had in that John Constantine should not be shooting anything. No. He should not be creating magical shields. He should not be <laughs> shooting. He is not a battle-fucking wizard. Uh, yeah, he's he's not Harry Dresden. Harry Dresden certainly was not before John Constantine. He's oh, not, God, no. He's not shooting force bolts. He's not doing any <laughs> of that shit. He's, he's reputation and subtle, I don't want to say street magic, but it's magic of intent where it starts things in motion. The problem with Constantine Light as it was created for the New 52 is you really get the sense that somewhere in his non-traditional fucking trench coat, he's rolling a 20-sided die for intent. Yes. <laughs> but... Do I get the magic missile this time? Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Rolled a one? Oh, no. <laughs> I put a force bolt in my pants, and it's not happy to see me. A two? Newcastle? <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to do all 20? I don't know. <laughs> 15. Oh, best friend died in my arms. <laughs> 14. Best friend died in my arms and shit his pants on my coat. <laughs> now I need a shorty trench coat. <laughs> Let's be fair. They had a longer trench coat than this. Yes, I will give them props for that. So he had the, the regular trench coat. Yes. Uh, so yeah, John Constantine yeah, should not shoot. He should not be involved in any kind of firefight. Uh well, one other uh, minor thing, which uh, I certainly did not scream about every eight to ten seconds during the course of the movie. John Constantine should smoke fucking cigarettes. 80-minute <laughs> movie filled with John Constantine. The only cigarette was my e-cigarette. I was jonesing for a regular one about halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> 
And this is not, this movie was not for kids. This was a dark it was for a DC animated movie. I mean, it started out with visions of demons with horns for eyes and eyes rolling in their mouths and people who thought they saw demons running down passersby. The cops had real guns yep. and shot real people, not the laser guns that you'd expect from a Bruce Tim Paul Dini. No. You know, if that's what you're used to from DC animation. No, this was a fairly dark and violent movie with adult language. John Constantine at one point shot the English finger, you know, the, yep. the two finger, <laughs> you know, two finger salute, the two finger, <laughs> two finger fake. Fuck you. <laughs> I don't want to say fake, but as an American, it just looks wrong, and it takes me a second to realize you're dissing me, which is probably better for all of us. We just all go our separate ways, and we don't all pretend we can fight and shit. But you thought about this for a while. It's it's part of why I uh, part of why I've hesitated visiting Great Britain with you. Oh. Oh, it's not the lack of passport that we probably can't get now. I have a passport application in my satchel. <laughs> I just need to get to the post office between 9 and 3, and it's a hard dollar when you've got a day job and right. shit to do. Okay. But... <laughs> It's, 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 it's I could go on. think I'm judging you. I could go on Saturday, Man, except I'm an alcoholic, <laughs> so I don't get up early. <laughs> but... <laughs> So in any event, uh, John Constantine was John Constantine Light in this. Yeah, but it's they said shit in this. They did. They, they did. said bullocks and wow, the shit has really hit the fan and that he doesn't smoke a single cigarette. He's got matches. Yeah. Oh, he just throws matches around like in the first couple episodes of the Constantine TV show. And that's what I complained about. It's like he's got to smoke. And at least with TV, they finally gave in and let him smoke a few times. But... I bitched about this, yeah, for a long time. John Constantine is Hillblazer. The perfect expression of John Constantine is from Garth Ennis's run, preferably while Will Simpson was drawing it. That's yes. my John Constantine. All right. And there are people who would argue, oh, no, later on when Steve Dillon took over, the characterization got better. Yeah, you've got an argument. But that look, along yeah. with that character, that's my John Constantine. And some somewhere Alan Moore is putting a fucking spell on me for that. And Sting is like, what about me? What about you, Sting? Go fuck yourself. Eat shit, Sting. You're not John Constantine anymore. <laughs> I think he's too busy having tantric sex with his wife and ignoring <laughs> the fact that you even exist. That's sweetie. not tantric sex. He's had a heart attack and died. <laughs> and she's just waiting for shit to happen. It's tantric sex. You know, it, it's one, that's one of those things where people are making excuses for their boner that lasted more than five hours and they couldn't be bothered to call their physician. <laughs> No, it, no, it's tantric. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. This is not a normal episode for us. No, this is fatigue hysteria, folks. Yeah, it, it is, but uh, it's fun. Uh, all right. Um, the, the, who else was in the movie besides who? who was, uh, what did you feel about not Matt Ryan? <laughs> What about not Matt Ryan? Well, there are many not Matt Ryan's uh, to choose from. Bullshit! There, there's what? Sorry, <laughs> I lost the thread. I enjoyed their interpretation of Dead Man, as voiced by Nicholas Turturro. Did you Google it on your phone while we weren't looking? No, I actually remembered that because the name Turturro made me think of the other Turturro that was in Eraserhead. Uh, no, he wasn't in Eraserhead. John Turturro? Yeah. No, he was in Barton Fink. Barton Fink, right. Yes, it's like Eraserhead. <laughs> but not. Only only it, it makes me wake up uncomfortable instead of screeching like an animal. Who is in Eraserhead? Uh, 
<laughs> Jack Nance. Oh, Jesus. From Twin Peaks. Okay. All right. Opening in a few months. <laughs> Trust me, when that opens, no show that Saturday. No. <laughs> that Sunday, rather. No, but getting back to Boston Brand. <laughs> yes. I liked I liked that they gave him some backstory. I don't think I actually I mean, I knew that he was a circus performer, but I had never actually seen the origin played out before. Okay. So I I liked that. I I, I liked um that they gave him some corporeal form so they didn't have to use the conceit of him possessing everybody throughout the entire movie in order for him to interact. Yeah, that's a fun gimmick for the comics where you get a little more real estate and you can do stuff issue after issue and even in a one and done just sort of make them when it's uh, like the old days of the 1970s Brave and Brave and the Bold where it would be Batman and Dead Man. Yeah. Uh it's just two characters so you can kind of support that conceit and it makes it kind of cool with a big cast of characters it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. So, so it was a nice way to go with that. Um with that I I I didn't really have any strong stakes in the new 52 character Black Orchid. So the fact that they changed her to be the spirit of the House of Mystery was interesting because it gave um, Dead Man the opportunity to fuck the House of Mystery. (laughs) Black Orchid only existed in this movie to make a more favorable dick to not dick ratio in the character. She was the AI of the house. If it was Eureka, she'd be Sarah. Yeah, z- <laughs> zero personality. Yeah. Okay. I, I, just, I just made the connection. Which one was Sarah? Oh, Sarah was the house. She's okay. the house. Okay. <laughs> it took me a second. I miss Eureka, but it, it's, it was not exactly... Eureka was not breaking bad. I don't, I don't have all the characters <laughs> locked in my brain, all the moments in all the there. Moments. <laughs> it's a, I, I know at some point in Eureka, it's like some you know, the kid from Star Trek. What's his face? That's all I remember. <laughs> yeah, she she's like the AI of the house. If if a mystical house could have an AI, I, I would wonder if I asked her about Hodor, if she'd just say Hodor, Hodor, Hodor. <laughs> like my Google, like my Google search used to do before they fixed the bug. It wasn't a bug; it was a feature. Android. <laughs> it was it was never a bug. <laughs> do you know what you'd have to do to make a computer say Hodor? <laughs> you'd have to fuck it a lot. So say my name, and my name's Hodor. Jesus, I've lost my shit. <laughs> A bunch of a holes. <laughs> I apologize, but yeah, Black Orchid. Black Orchid actually kind of bothered me because literally zero personality, mm. just sort of there to be exposition at one point because she could, being part of the House of Mystery, read minds and say things about characters yes. to sort of advance characterization without presenting any of her own, except to have a nice ass for the dead guy to want to tap. That was what she was there for. In an animated movie. Exposition <laughs> Exposition and Necrophilia. Which which will be the name of which will be the name of my master's thesis that I will defend with my life in front of the doctorate committee at some point. Okay. Let me know when this is happening so that I can go to London. Exposition and necrophilia. <laughs> That's the one character that bothered me because it, clearly there was a decision of throw another chick in there. Although I, Black Orchid was part of Justice League Dark, but uh, and, and it's I don't remember a hell of a lot about her, but she was in there. Yeah, but it, it's a tricky part of a movie like this because you're dealing with characters that, in general, are not familiar to Joe Blow, who's like, oh, cool Justice League cartoon from a kids, mm. and I'll watch it with them. Everybody knows Batman, but John Constantine, uh, maybe because of the TV show Swamp Thing. If you're a big Louis Jordan slash Adrian Barbeau fan from 1982, <laughs> it's possible that might you might have picked that up. Yes, Dead Man, you don't know. 
certainly Jason Blood, Etrigan, you don't know. Uh, oh, I knew. Well, I'm talking about Joe Blow. Oh. I don't know if you noticed, we have a comics podcast, and we've spent about 280 total hours talking <laughs> about comics on the internet, <laughs> let alone shooting the shit at the bar on Wednesday nights. This is true. Yes, we, we know Demon. We <laughs> <laughs> We Know Demon sounds like something I'll be pleading in court someday <laughs> soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not a euphemism. I promise. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> so, all right. So, all right. Black Orchid. But it's a, kind of a cipher. Yeah. but And yeah, to get back to my point, introducing so many of these characters, we had to have origin stories built into this 80-minute animated movie. So, yeah, we got uh, Dead Man. We got Jason Blood slash Etrigan, yep. which just showed... Uh, well, before I get to that, it's so yes, building in the origin stories, I think they did reasonably well with. They yes. didn't go way overboard and like show everybody's. We didn't see Newcastle for Constantine. Yeah, but they referenced it. <laughs> they did reference it. Uh, we didn't see the explosion for uh, not Louis Jordan slash not Matt Ryan. Yes, we also didn't see. Uh, we reference Alec. Hall, uh, Alec Hall, Holland. Why can't I talk? Holland. Holland. Why, why can't I that, talk? <laughs> because that's where you can buy the weed. <laughs> um, but they, they mention it when we are finally introduced to Swamp Thing. That's true. It's a, They mentioned it. And I think for some of the characters... And actually, he's ripped out of uh, Swamp Thing's body. Yeah, and somewhere, <laughs> somewhere Alan Moore between a non-smoking Constantine who's not Sting... <laughs> <laughs> And Swamp Thing is just making a voodoo doll. He's just plucking yeah. beard hairs and <laughs> twisting them into a doll. Stabby, stabby, stabby. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they did a good job introducing the characters that they uh, that that Joe Blow would not necessarily know. But it really was there. There was very much a New Fifty Two feel of this, which feels sort of out of place, and it shows how pervasive and good in general. Watchmen notwithstanding, DC Rebirth has been. Yes. And that it feels already very much out of place. Yeah. yeah. Superman's costume, Wonder Woman's costume. Uh, what I was going to get to a second ago when we got the origin of Etrigan mm. and Jason Blood, that was very Demon Knights, which is diving was. deep into the early New 52. I enjoyed that. That was our, our Facebook um, avatar for a while. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a, a not a bad book, and yet ill-advised in the sense that who could possibly think that a medieval story with early incarnations of some third grade (laughs) B-list characters would be a book that could make a hundred issues. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were, the new 52 had a lot of stuff that was, let's throw this at the wall and see if it sticks. Which I respected at the time. I mean, they had, they had a Western, they had a war book. Yeah. They uh, they had Blackhawks. They had Hawk and Dove. It kept Rob Liefeld off the streets. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's about the best thing you can say yeah here just draw pouches on this just just <laughs> look he's so happy <laughs> it suddenly I had flash in my head you know that robot chicken <laughs> the robot chicken sketch with the uh oh what is it the uh the deer or the horse going oats oh, oh, yes I, I picture rob liefeld at home going pouch 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 jesus he might he might <laughs> Now, put your hands together for the man who's falling apart before our eyes. Okay. Um, uh, The one one non-real Justice League dark character that was in this was Batman. Yes. And 
the more I thought about it watching the movie, using Batman, and they really did use him as the audience audience surrogate. Me Mm. talk good. Me, I'm disc jockey. Yeah, I'm having that tonight myself. Well, I'm on my (laughs) second beer. Okay. But using Batman as the audience surrogate slash straight man was really a smart idea. Because if you stop and think about it, of almost anybody in the DC universe, if you can throw in a character who is going to look at all this magic and weirdness and sort of be on his heels and out of his element and uncomfortable by all of it, if that person's Batman, you know you're in the shit. Yes. (laughs) It's really a sign if Batman is uncomfortable bad shit is going on. So it was really good shorthand to, even as they really, you know, Star wars up the magic of, you know, shooting force bolts and big shields and shit like that. Having Batman there really grounded, yes, this is all very dangerous and very unfamiliar. And yeah, it looks kind of goofy. I shoot purple bolts. But But you know, it it makes sense too, because Batman would want to be the one to insert himself. He wouldn't trust anybody else to run that team. Not that he really was. Constantine was, but he was there because he's a control freak. Yep. And if these are new power players on the scene, when he's already just figured out everybody else's skill set and how to potentially neutralize them in the Justice League, because you know he has. Of course. Then this is, I'm getting intel on these other people so that I can figure out eventually how I could take them out if I had to because I trust no one and I'm mentioning I'm a control freak. <laughs> that was one problem I had. That one problem I really had with the movie, the very end where it, where it's stated that Batman has asked John Constantine to join the actual Justice League. Yeah. Not the Justice League dark, not be an auxiliary, not uh, can I get your number, give me your digits, so you know, in case something well, is killing Superman, I can give you a jingle. It feels like, calculated. I need to keep you close because I trust you not. I need to have eyes on you at all times. Well, well, from a character standpoint, it makes sense because it gives John Constantine a chance to say, that's stupid. I'm not doing it. I'd never do it. Yeah. So it shows him as a non-joiner loner. Right. All you have to do is ignore the concept that Batman would say, chain smoker, why don't you come with us to Apocalypse? <laughs> <laughs> And we'll kick Darkseid in the taint. <laughs> Why don't you take point for the next mile? <laughs> yeah, you re- I, I don't know if you mind changing clothes. You can w- keep wearing the trench coat, but I have this red shirt. If you could just put this red shirt on underneath your trench coat. Totally different franchise. Totally different. <laughs> but I like your thinking. Uh, yeah, I'm just uh, looking at the... Uh, <laughs> about four notes I put down before we did this show. Uh, visually, uh, one of the visuals I really liked was how they did Swamp Thing. Yes. In most of the comics, they make Swamp Thing kind of big, like a seven-footer. Uh, this, they really almost made him Hulk size and you know, vastly more than human. Yes. Which made a lot of sense to me, and I liked. And certainly, I- I'm sure, yeah, we'll get the emails and stuff on Facebook of, uh, but did did you not see Rick Veach's Swamp Thing? And yes, I have all those books. And yeah, he's a big guy, and he's got big, mean eyes, but something about just the, the, the sheer, weight. Yeah, it, they did some nice things with Swamp Thing, and they did some great things with Etrigan that gave sense through the animation of of the power and just the sheer scale on which those characters can operate, which don't necessarily always come across in static on a comics panel. Yes. 
And they were able to do that because of the layering and the almost 3D nature of the layout of the animation they were using, because you could see how they fit within the scale of the city. This is another one of those situations where Metropolis took it in the shitter. Like, oh yeah, like, Metropolis. <laughs> the rent in Metropolis should be eight bucks a year. Yeah, they should not be able to get anybody <laughs> to live in Metropolis. Metropolis is it, it should be like Detroit at this point. Yeah, it's <laughs> in Boston terms. Like, Metropolis, uh, nah, man. I'm going to Roxbury. I, <laughs> I, I, th- I feel safer. Yeah. Um. It, so I liked that you were able to get a sense with Etrigan of just how much destruction he can rain down. He's not just some sort of silly little rhyming character who shows up and does mischievous, somewhat malevolent things and then gets sucked back into the other side and Jason Blood comes back out again. He is a force of, I don't want to say nature, because he's he's a demonic force, he, which you would expect because he's a demon, but you actually see it. Right. It's a, even I mean, when I think <laughs> when I think epic Etrigan stories, first of all, Go ahead and give me shit. I haven't read the original Jack Kirby ones. I'm sorry. I don't have those books. We, we've kind got of like expensive. two trades worth of Etrigan upstairs that you can Yeah, but, but that's Garth Ennis <laughs> and I think John McCree art, yes, which I really yeah, do want to which read. Which is why I bought it. Yeah, I just haven't had time to get to it. But when you think sort of classic Etrigan stories of the modern age after Jack Kirby, uh, there's the Swamp Thing one where mm. he uh, shows up to battle uh, the Monkey King. There's the, the fear demon. Yep. That has uh, taken hold of the orphanage where uh, Abby works. Yes, and even then, it's he's tearing arms off, and it's but it, it, he's violent, but it's not this apocalyptic. But yeah, it's it's the kind of violence that a man with an agenda wants to get some shit done. It, could it was do. it was rhyming Wolverine <laughs> violence. Yes, which you don't get yes. in the movie. In the movie, it's. Hellfire. Not, yeah, not quite end of the world, but <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't want to fuck with him. Yeah, because there's a, Wolverine has the berserker rage. This went to a whole nother level. Yes, because yeah. he's a demon and evil. <laughs> I mean, yes. Canadian is close, but not quite. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, it, yes, I, I enjoyed how that character was presented. I, I think all of them, except for Black Orchid, who really got short shrift in this. Yeah. Uh, got a reasonable amount of time, uh, a reasonable script of things to do. Yeah, I don't know who was who the voice actress for Zatanna was. She did a nice job, although she kept making me think of uh, Mila Kunis. So there were times in my head, I hear, shut up, Meg. <laughs> <laughs> don't you diss female, not Matt Ryan that way. I know, I know, I shouldn't, <laughs> because she was the strongest character in the entire um, From a voice acting standpoint, definitely. Yeah, well, I, I mean, and the character itself was the strongest character. They demonstrated that very nicely, actually, through showing and not telling over the course of this movie, um, which is why she was not being a hero prior to all of this, while she was just doing stage shows for the masses for fluffy entertainment. And this actually shows the potential that she could have should she apply herself. Yeah, and it just occurred to me, if you think about it, what they did with Zatanna really could have been influenced by what they wound up, what Bendis wound up doing with Scarlet Witch. Yes. Who was always just sort of a character who was there. But no, if you stop and think about it, that level of power is really world ending. Yeah. Well, if I say it backwards, it happens. Yeah. You know, if I wish for it on the Marvel side, it happens. And we saw a little of that where, 
she really sort of cut loose and lost control in this movie. That was kind of cool. She had like an almost Akira moment in this movie. <laughs> Absolutely. With vastly better drawn tits. <laughs> they were just perky no matter what punched her in the face. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. I got this. They got my dick, man! <laughs> <laughs> uh, she a- had an excellent foundation garment drawn on her. Yes, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Wonder Woman, meet Wonder Bra. That's oh, fine. Jesus. They're not all going to be Picassos. No, no, had a few not. beers, and I didn't prepare for this show at all. <laughs> uh, and being a look, ultimately, if it's a DC animated, uh, Warner Brothers animated DC film, you got to have the superheroes at the end. At this point, they were all uh, under the thrall of the uh, big bad. Yes, uh, so you got to see. Batman fighting Superman. It's, it, I swear to God, uh, we'll talk about it. We talk about Marvel, where the smiles will fall right off our faces <laughs> in a few minutes. But yeah, so it was hero on hero. But even then, one of my favorite moments in this movie, worth the cost of admission almost completely, where Batman is fighting a possessed Green Lantern. Yes. And Green Lantern makes a move and throws his fist up and looks down, and he's in just a sweatshirt. Oh, he's, he was in his uh, Marine civilian clothes. Yes, because like it was John Stewart as Green Lantern. Yes. So uh, the only thing that gave it away that it was like Marine, he had, he had the um, his number on his jacket. And it said USMC. Yes, it did. <laughs> You're right. Which helps. But, uh, and yeah, it, it cuts to Batman holding the ring, and then Batman just blasts him with a taser, <laughs> drops him to the dirt. <laughs> like, All right, yeah, that's Batman. Yeah. Batman has been on his heels for this whole movie, but that is worth it. And uh, when uh, Zatanna's talking to Batman and she just takes a step back and says something backwards and it pulls out and Superman in the air is just frozen. Frozen like a fly in amber. Four (laughs) inches with his fist behind Batman's head. It's like, uh, at that point, as I was taking notes during the movie, I had, this movie is not bad. They're they're not fucking around here. Yeah, but also that, again, gives you a sense of the scale of power that Zatanna has. Totally. Yeah. I mean, granted, Superman is not impervious to magic, but that she could do that and do that that quickly, that's a hell of a thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's Justice League power. Yeah. That's why she was in the Justice League in the 70s. That's why they, in identity uh, uh, crisis. Crisis, yes. <laughs> don't go, don't go uh, we really? both like that. Yeah. We both like it more than most people do. Yeah. But, it, yeah, it was Brad Meltzer was smart in saying, all right, with that kind of power... How do you reconcile those 1970s stories with the way things are now? Well, somebody's memory got wiped and it drove them bug shit. Yes. <laughs> All right, so overall, I think we we both like the flick. Yes. Oh, one other nice little thing for those people who might come to this because they were fans of the Constantine television show, no matter how flawed. Uh, Richie, who showed up in the Constantine show... Came back. The the actor came back to voice Excuse- act that. Yeah, and she- Jeremy Davies. Yes, thank you. Because uh, is that actor in my handwritten notes while I was watching the movie? I wrote it down and then I totally forgot. He- but yeah, the the dude from Justified. Yeah, Dewey Crow. I think it was Dewey. And Dewey? No, it was no. one of one of the Crow boys. Right. But I thought it was Dewey. They might have been Dewey. <laughs> <laughs> we have a Facebook. Let us know if we're right or wrong. Yeah, we're probably wrong. Email us at Crisis on Infinite. Infinite midlives at gmail.com. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Light them up, folks. We're going down. Anyway, 
Yeah, he he did make an appearance, and uh, it was nice to hear the voice again. The weird thing is, it you know you've read Constantine. Richie is just this early character from a one and done. Yes, that uh, was in uh, not Dangerous Habits, Original Sins. Yes, so Jamie Delano was writing it. Where yeah, Constantine was after something, and his buddy Richie could go into the computer, and you know, it was. Real cyberpunk shit for 1986 or 1987. <laughs> oh, I put my consciousness in the computer and I I'll, troned that shit up. Yes, uh, <laughs> I'll go into cyberspace. I'll I'll jack in with my deck. I'll I'll jack my deck. I'm gonna jack off and get what you. Well, that's how we do use computers now. But and then something burns out, so the connection between his consciousness and his body is disconnected. Yes. And Constantine, rather than tell him, nope, you've got no way back and your body is just burned, it just turns the computer off. Which is a great way to show John Constantine will be a bastard sometimes in a benevolent-ish way. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, look at the flowers, look at the flowers in <laughs> <laughs> The Walking Dead. But, tell but, me about the rabbits, George. But that's the entirety of Richie. One issue from 1987 and somehow he keeps popping up in modern Constantine on other. Well, because it was such a big. Ba- I mean, he has many bastard moments, but that that is a stone cold bastard moment. That's true. And also, it was nice to sort of crystallize this movie around that relationship, uh, because even though yes, this was an ensemble movie, it was John Constantine's vehicle more or less. So for it to really be centered around. Richie and his desire for some level of revenge against John because of whatever it was that they referenced um, that caused him to get magical cancer but leave Constantine unscathed, seemingly. That it was, was... It was it was a good way to have a big bad Yeah, uh, that was somewhat familiar. But that- it also gave you a sense of... He he takes Richie out in the end. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> so um, again, this is what Constantine does to his friends. So guess what? If you're his enemy, <laughs> yeah, it it was definitely Constantine's movie. Yeah, and, and having Richie there gave him a pass between uh, Zatanna and Richie gave him more of a pass than anybody else, which that character really needs. Half of Constantine is you've heard stories. Yeah. So you, those stories need to be laid down. And if you can have a character there that justifies it, so much the better. Right. But it would also be motivation for asking this unlikeliest of individuals to be formally a part of the Justice League where he could fucking keep an eye on him. <laughs> I'm not I, wrong. <laughs> I'm just sitting here picturing, oh, God, it's Eclipso. Get him, John! <laughs> Oh, God, Amazo's getting his powers together. John, <laughs> maneuver four. What? <laughs> yeah, he, he wouldn't play that. <laughs> yeah, if he can kill Amazo by putting a cigarette in his eye, even this Constantine couldn't kill him because he doesn't fucking smoke. But he could throw a magic missile. John Constantine smokes. <laughs> he smokes. Son of a bitch. That's it. Yeah, I I enjoyed the movie. Every minute I didn't see him with a fucking silk cut corked in his mouth. I'm just like, not right, not right. But generally, I enjoyed it. I I enjoyed it. It was it was good escapist humor for the for the evening. I would watch it again. 
Even I would even watch it on on the home theater system. It shows how dark that <laughs> the news was. Like, it was good escapist humor. Oh, the movie- animals were cut down. Like if this was live action, PETA would have been all over this shit. Yes, like <laughs> <laughs> animals were cut down. People were mown down like animals in cars. A baby was tossed off a building. The eye mouth demons. That's right. <laughs> there was a baby, and then the, baby and then the mother the plummeted to her own death in a suicide in her grief. For what she had done. <laughs> Good times on a Sunday night. Family entertainment. Family yeah. <laughs> entertainment. Uh, the point is, if, if if you're interested in seeing a live action dark universe movie, it does seem like DC uses these movies, these animated directed videos, as a way to gauge interest. So, yes, it would be cynical to say, "Oh, the only way I can get an actual live action John Constantine minus Keanu Reeves." <laughs> Although that's not a bad movie. It's a terrible Constantine movie. Yeah. But it's not a bad movie. But if you want an actual... If every time in that movie... If, if you can take it and like somehow control F every time they say Constantine, just change it to Steve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't know it was a John Constantine movie and I said, Tilda Swinson is Gabriel the Angel, you'd be like, sold. Here's my money. Take yeah. my fucking money. But Keanu Reeves is John Constantine. You're like, what are you, fucking stupid? This is horrible. I'm John uh, Johnson. Yes, John Johnson. <laughs> my, name, my name is Jan Johnson. I work in Wisconsin. <laughs> I work in a lumber. <laughs> oh, you're fried. You're. S- <laughs> yeah, if I'm if I'm pulling single lines out of <laughs> out of old, uh, who the fuck wrote uh, Slaughterhouse Five? Why am I that throwing was a blank? Kurt Vonnegut's yeah, movie. if I'm pulling old Vonnegut quotes, I think that was from uh, Breakfast of Champions, which Jesus, I read when I was sixteen. <laughs> okay, somebody needs a little nap. <laughs> Where's my whiskey funnel? So, anyway, if you if you're the type saying you know, I don't want to spend money on that just to get a live action movie, it's it's not a bad flick. It's worth. I think you can rent it on your various Amazon or whatever. It's available on it's DVD and Blu-ray. It's in the it, world. It can be obtained and yes. you know, can only help. You know, and clearly, DC Films wants to go there with the Enchantress and showing finally magic and Suicide Squad. They yep. they want to move in that direction. They do. So let it happen. Besides, Matt Ryan needs work. <laughs> Not Matt Ryan's doing all right, but Matt Ryan, he needs this. <laughs> all right, are we done with Justice League Dark? We are. Okay, we should are. we should we get on to the terrible oh, stuff? Oh God. Go negative. Do this. All right. So And then in other news, Captain America happened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we are Two weeks, three weeks out of Secret Wars two. Yes. Uh not Civil Secret War. War. Civil War. Civil War two. Uh, just an absolutely terrible event that we've been railing against. I, in particular, have been railing against. He gets this loud. It throbs in his forehead. I have a twitch in my right eye now, <laughs> and it won't go away. I mean, it might have be. Have you a, named it Nick Spencer? I've named it. Uh, <laughs> I've named it Captain Marvel. It's oh, a okay. stroke eye kind of thing. I'm beginning to get concerned. <laughs> but. So yes, we're out of that, and you would hope, great, let's put it behind us, and uh, we still have to deal with the problem of how we're going to deal with Captain Marvel, who somehow became a popular fascist, mm. and uh, now we have Secret Empire, which is coming. Mm. And the first two issues leading us toward that uh, came out this past week. Uh, in order, in story order, there was uh, Steve Rogers' Captain America number 10, written by Nick Spencer, with art by... Uh, Jesus Sayez. What kind of parents would name their kid that? And uh, Civil War II, The Oath, also written by Nick Spencer, art by Rod Rice. And 
I, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure I want to talk about the issues in a whole lot of detail because I want to <laughs> say this, um, gentlemen artists on these issues. I am very pleased to see depictions of of, of middle aged to older women. It, it's a nice change of pace from the the young, lithe, curvy, um, buxom. Uh, <laughs> You know, women that typically are populating comic book pages. However, if you could not use Kellyanne Conway as your photo reference for Sharon <laughs> Carter, I would really appreciate it. We'll we'll, we'll get to those parts. We'll get to Sharon Carter should not look road hard and put up wet. That's all I'm saying. Thank what? you. Steve Rogers is a pimp. <laughs> yeah, he's not just a soldier. He's a super soldier. Jesus. <laughs> He was wrong and you knew it. Yes. Anyway, uh, so yes, we're out of the depression and oppression and sadness of Civil War II, apparently <laughs> in time to see fucking Nazis take over the Marvel Universe. <sighs> oh, dude, who, I'm just, who the fuck thought this was a good idea? I don't know. This is somebody's fault and I want to know whose it is. I, I don't know. I'm. Is this... Is this the architects getting together and saying that they're going to be subtly angry at Ike Perlmutter for giving money to Donald Trump? I, uh, the the architects are long gone, baby. Um, I, <laughs> it's a Jason Aaron still doing stuff for Marvel. Ed Brubaker's at Image pretty much Bendis full time. Bendis is still there. Uh, Bendis is still Bendis won't leave. I think Bendis. <laughs> They keep dangling shiny shit in front of him and like throwing it out in the street. Go, go get it. Oh, no. Oh, he wants to do that with Spider-Man. The only way they'll get Bendis out of there is to say, come on, boy, we're going for a ride and take him out into the woods. (laughs) Just leave him. Leave him in Jersey somewhere. Just remember, I love you, old yeller. I love you. But uh, yeah, the fraction's gone. Uh, Yeah. I'm trying to remember who the other architects were. But yeah, there's no architects anymore. Okay. That, that might be the problem. It's <laughs> just a, throwing shit at the wall, like one of those spiders that would crawl down the wall. See if it sticks or if it just falls, and then you got to buy a new one out of the machine at the supermarket. <laughs> I mean, it's, so we're 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 clearly moving into. You can see based on the scene, and by the way, spoilers, spoilers, uh, spoilers for for both of these issues. Although we're not going to go heavily into the individual stories, no, because we're going to talk more about. Why? 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 <laughs> um, uh, we see at the end of the oath uh, the part of uh, the vision that Cap had mm. when uh, not not Karnak, uh, Ulysses uh, had the vision of Spider-Man killing Captain America, and Captain America, being at that part of the vision, supposedly saw Hydra taking over everything, and America was strong and pure and white as the day is long. And so that is what he is moving toward now that he, he has become in this uh, issue, in this series of a couple of issues, uh, the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., which doesn't make any sense either. No, I'm just trying to, uh, when does Bucky figure out that Kobik, the Cosmic Cube, fucked with his friend and, and he, you know, makes her stop? <laughs> I suppose that's the one positive because I have uh, Jim Zub's Thunderbirds has been growing on me. I don't think it's my Thunderbolts. What did I say? Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds, Yeah, it's it's bad puppets. I'm an alcoholic. Anyway, (laughs) um, 
Yeah, it's been growing on. You really like it. I've gotten I do. so it's it's not bad. So Bucky is in the right place with the right characters to be able to deal with that. So clearly, there's a vision. I don't think they're making this up as they go along. Yeah, I think editorial is going to put their hand in and fuck with it. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, and they're even uh, part of the thing that irritates me with this is when you get into the oath, they're already trying to kind of revisionist soft sell. Oh, Carol Danvers wasn't a complete and utter fascist; she was a neocon. No, no, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> that 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 is part of the problem with this book is how ripped from the headlines political it seems, and right now politics isn't fun. No. Uh. It, before we get into that, we're staring down the barrel after literally eight or nine months of just depressing Civil War II of yet another, oh, something terrible happens to the Marvel Universe and it's going to wind up being at least heroes versus Captain America. Yeah, and it's and it's even more insidious because the way that this is playing out, Captain America is suggesting that now it's not hidden scrolls that are going to tear us apart because, you know, who do you trust? Because they could have weird looking chins under that prosthetic. Um, it's, it's no, it's your neighbor next door who may just have really awful thoughts hidden under that awful prosthetic. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> which, or balls either way. Oh, and I'm thinking family guy. Yeah. Family guys, more balls, ball, chin balls, chin balls, chin, sure. Ball chin. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I think that's the name of our senator. <laughs> no, I think that's. I think that was the producer on Suicide Squad. Oh, all right, we're moving on. Um, but it's <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's another depressing fucking Marvel story. I'm I'm trying to look back on a run of Marvel where it wasn't heroes fighting heroes and ultimately just depressing. And the big thing is who's going to die. Yeah. And you know, we had Civil War two. Before that, we had Secret Wars. So Doctor Doom controls the universe and, by the way, kills the Fantastic Four because yeah. of the rumor is Ike Perlmutter and his hatred for Fox and their <laughs> rights to the Fantastic Four to make a terrible movie of it. Which gives Hickman no reason to be involved as an architect anymore because Reed Richard is dead and he has no way to show him being a dick again. That's right. So. <laughs> Hickman was one of them, but Hickman's also, he's just doing image comic yep. stuff. He's He's out of Marvel, at least right now. Uh, but yeah, before that, we had Hickman with Avengers and New Avengers, and time runs out. Yep. So yeah, that story, the whole Marvel Universe fucking dies. And before we even got to that point, it was Avengers and New Avengers of, oh, the Illuminati are completely compromised and amoral, destroying universes to save their own ass. Right. Uh, and before that, we had Avengers versus X-Men. So mm-hmm. yeah, the whole Marvel Universe fucking fights yet again. Uh I'm t- was there anything between that and fear itself, which was Captain America and Thor die, <laughs> and the whole world is just fucking terrified? No, I, I think you, you've covered it more or less. And before that was the heroic age. That's the last time I can think of where it was, nope, we're just going to do superhero stories. And, and even that came because before that it was Civil War and Secret Invasion mm-hmm. and House of M and Dark Reign. What the fuck is wrong with Marvel for the last seven or eight years? Where it's everything sucks and we're all going to die. I can get that from CNN. Yeah. I'm paying Marvel four bucks a book to feel like shit (laughs) and read characters I grew up with who are wrong. Well, um... (laughs) Don't patronize me, goddammit! I mean, Marvel's 
I don't want to say byline has always sort of been, you know, this is the world outside your window. But when it sucks. <laughs> I know. And that's why I'm reading Rebirth. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, DC's kicking ass right now. I, you know, I said in our Crises Awards, my biggest trepidation this year is Marvel. And every week it's like, shit, I'm not wrong. Yeah. No, I... Like I have said on previous shows, I look to my entertainment media to be my escape. And I, if, if I can't escape from, from that, which is causing me distraction, sadness, whatever, if I only get more of the same when I am reading that entertainment media, then I have no reason to really read it because all it's doing is reinforcing the shit that's bringing me down. Yeah, I don't need to have my hand held. Yeah. I don't need to be take me away to Neverland. But... Uh, I don't need to be depressed either in my adolescent power fantasy fiction. Yeah. And it, it, all of it, it doesn't make any sense anymore. You know, all of this is coming from Captain America in, in these issues is made the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. And being made head of S.H.I.E.L.D. has become a much more powerful sort of top cop, has a whole bunch of authority that's not really supervised for reasons. Yeah. It doesn't, this all is predicated on Maria Hill getting fired as head of shield. And I get that. Yes. After how she handled civil war two and pleasant Hill. And clearly the editorial edict to writer is just this arrogant, sarcastic pain in the ass, which she never was when she was introduced, you know, when Nick Fury went missing after a secret, uh, secret war, not secret wars, right. but secret war. Um, so okay, I, I get it. That that's fine. So that opens it up so Captain America can take over. But where does the escalation of that role to being this top cop, super bureaucrat? I guess where does that come from? It's it, they never explain it, and it doesn't make any fucking sense. If Maria Hill was this power mad, loose fucking cannon. Why would you give her successor more power, even if it's Captain America? It's a good question. I, and they're trying to use the um, Chitari invasion that was deterred by, um, what's the name of the character? Um, oh, the shit. New, this is a couple weeks ago. something or other. Um, Quasar. Quasar. Yes. As, you know, we we need this shield, so <laughs> we and we need somebody who who can coordinate all of this intelligence so that we can make sure that we're safe. And there's all these these parallels towards the Earth as stand-in for the United States and its isolationism. And you know, yeah, and and I get that. And believe me, we'll we'll get to at least a little. I don't want this to be a political <laughs> show. We'll get to some of the politics of it in a minute. But if you are in Marvel editorial. And you are saying, okay, what we are going to use as this catalyst to move in this uh, Hydra can take over the world uh, plot device is a Chitari invasion. You're selling that to comics readers and shit. Joe Blow, who walks in off the street and picks up a comic book, who saw the first Avengers movie. Yes. Where it only took a, a, a fucking drunk in a suit of armor... Uh, an archer, uh, a super spy, <laughs> yeah, and an angry dude to drive off the Chitari and Loki. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, but you know what? They killed off the big angry guy and they put the tech guy in, in a metal tube in a coma. Well, that's just pure expedience to make him come back in just the nick of time <laughs> at this point. I've, I've read enough superhero comics. <laughs> Ain't none of them dead. No. At least with Civil War II. That, that was the worst part of fear itself. We go through all this sturm and drang and literally in the last sort of postscript episode, oh, and then Captain America and Thor came back to life. Yeah. It was a, like zero stakes story. At least they're dead-ish still in for now where we are in after Civil War Two. Yeah. I'll give him exactly that much credit. And trust me, I don't want to give him any credit at all. <laughs> I'm not in that kind of mood. But and the worst part of this, this is the first issue, uh, I think it was uh, the oath, where somebody is finally critical to Captain Marvel to her face. Yes. Captain America is critical of her. I'm like, fucking finally. Somebody tells her she's just, you know, grabbing power for the sake of being right. And somebody said and it takes all the victory out of it because Captain America is a fucking Nazi in this book. Yeah. He, he's, not only is he Hydra and supposedly brainwashed, there's a strong implication in the oath that he is literally a Nazi in the sense that I really got a sense that it was the Red Skull just driving his meat. Yeah. Because there were statements like, you know, when he's talking with uh, Tony. And frankly, the, the visual of Captain America talking over Tony Stark's body, I put in air quotes, mm. in radio that nobody can see. Um, wasn't there an issue of Civil War where Iron Man did the same thing with Captain America's body when he was killed yeah. at the end of Civil War? Yeah. So it was already it's like, all right, I think I've seen this shit before. It's it's possible that the Red Skull is driving Captain America's body at this point because... Because, yeah, he says things like, I have all of his memories and he loved you and he let you win. Yeah. And and he could be just referencing the, the Captain America that existed before the Cosmic Cube fucked with him, but it's more likely because Red Skull makes the threat to Captain America in Captain America 10 that if you don't have your shit sorted by the next time I see you, there will be serious repercussions. Well, yeah, because uh, what's the Cosmic, U- Cosmic Cube's uh, name? Kobik? Kobik. Uh, what she did to Cap was rewrite his memory. Right. So he doesn't think he's two people. No, he, he think, doesn't think he's body sharing or anything. Yeah, so there's a very much an implication in here that Red Skull is driving. Yeah. So it's literally a Nazi is the one who finally gives shit to Captain Marvel. I'm like, you can't even give me that. I've been waiting six months for this. Yeah. And it's got to be a fucking Nazi. You can't even go with the old, you know, oh no, it's Hydra. Not a, This is Marvel Comics, not Marvel Cinematic Universe. The yeah. Red Skull is a Nazi. Yeah. So... The one thing I want to take from this, you fucking take that away from me, Marvel. Thank you. I get no catharsis. Nothing. Nothing. I get nothing. But it, <laughs> Son of a bitch. If, if it is, you know, a Nazi that's, you know, just trying to make life good for white America that gives that much more resonance that it would be a Miles Morales that would take out the white supremacist. Uh, yeah, then maybe there'll be catharsis there, but so far Marvel hasn't given me any catharsis anywhere. And in that part of mythic storytelling, I'm supposed to get a fucking catharsis. I was promised catharsis, goddammit. I keep hearing catharsis, and I, I keep thinking handjob. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I'm a little punchy. It's kind of late. <laughs> 
I'm willing to trade. I don't think Axel Alonso is going to give you a reach around is what I'm saying. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) What? (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Welcome to Marvel Editorial. The $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. So, all right, let's let's go to the current event piece. It, this does seem a little on the nose, doesn't it? It does. It does. Much much as um, some of the social agenda in Civil War II seemed on the nose. Yeah, and it's it's really weird because yeah, it it is kind of depressing to read. Yes, because yes, the obvious parallels are there, and I'll I'll give Nick Spencer, who I really like as a writer. I will stand by the fix with both hands and a shotgun as awesome, fun, crime-ish comics. Yes, it's a very enjoyable story. Ant-Man has been fun, and the superior foes of Spider-Man. I'll give him and Axel Alonso the benefit of the doubt that maybe this was planned when it looked like the election might go another way, and it would just be, oh, this is a comment on what might have been. Mm. Uh but yeah, it's it's a hard dollar to turn on the news on Saturday and see people get scooped up at airports and then turn to a, a comic for escape and see people getting scooped up at the end and realize this is a Marvel event. So even if they've planned it for four months, it's going to be late, which means it's going to go on for eight months. Yeah. And I'm going to be stuck with this shit until I turn, until I'm well closer to 90 than zero years old. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's it's hard to read because of that. Is this meant for us, or is this meant for readers younger than us who are concerned about world issues and want to see how they play out in comic pages? I mean, there's the argument that every comic for the last 20 years has been written for people our age. As we get older, they get older. Yeah, that's what uh, I'm saying, though. Like, if... If I can't use this as escapism, there's going to be a reason why it's being written because it's not all about me, much as I want it to be. Um, <laughs> so is this for someone younger than me <laughs> who is who still has the energy to, after watching that shit on the news, delve into this with the hope that it's a literary study that will examine what is happening in our world with, again, some catharsis hoped for which again that's where civil war ii so greatly disappointed me there was no catharsis yeah it's see i don't see how it can be because no matter what anybody has in mind again let's give everybody the benefit of the doubt and say all right we uh were inspired by this particular candidate's campaign that we didn't think was going to win to tell this dystopian story the problem is that candidate won and whether you like it or not whether Spencer, Alonzo, et al. had any particular plans, you can't necessarily count on those plans because the the head of Marvel is Ike Perlmutter, who is an unofficial member of President Trump's administration. He is an advisor. Yes, for the Veterans Committee or something. Yes, he's had two pictures of himself taken in the last 30 years, and one is with the current president, who every indication is this is meant to sort of use as a jumping off point as a story. Do you think if Ike has an Ike who says fewer bathrooms, 
Because if you're pissing, you're not working. Do you think if that guy has an inkling that the story might be critical of his buddy, the president, the scripts aren't going to come back with editorial notes on them? You would think. But how much of a hand does he have in that portion of things? Where's the Fantastic Four? Okay. No, I, I, I had to ask the question. I mean, I don't know if he's that hands-on, but... Yeah. <laughs> I think Who's the, trying to kill mutants? Oh. I think the next six months of Marvel are going to have weird editorial interference that will make what Dan DiDio and company did in the first couple of years of New 52 look like just gentle encouragement. Mm. It's going to be a shit show. So whatever they have planned, I can't imagine it's going to come through intact. We're going to get some weird story, and yeah, eventually Captain America is going to come out of it. Maybe he'll die again. Maybe Captain Marvel will die for a while and wake up good. Maybe that's everybody's just sort of default, you know, poochie. I had to go back to my home planet. <laughs> then when I show up again, maybe there'll be nostalgia for it. I don't know. But I, I can't imagine anything good coming from this. Not anything escapist. Not anything fun. It's I, <laughs> what what part of what we have said about Civil War Two? What a lot of people in the that Civil War, uh, yeah, Civil War Two, yeah. makes anybody think we want to read about another fucking Marvel superhero as a fascist? We've done it, yeah, and it sucked. It was fucking horrible. Yeah, and, and this is leading into Secret Empire coming in twenty seventeen. Fuck you. <laughs> Yeah. Fuck you and your fucking secret empire, all right? I, no. I bring back the Shi'ar, yeah, go into space. <laughs> just fuck right off into space. <laughs> it's, you know. <laughs> Shoot yourself into the sun and then come back and see us. Or I, don't. I, I'm looking back a couple weeks ago, there was a Mark Wade Avengers where they fought Kang. All right. Like, yeah. <laughs> that was a yeah. Kang's a bad guy, and you can fight him. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can we? There's a lot of supervillains in the Marvel universe. <laughs> can we do something with them? I would like that. That's uh, <sighs> so. Yeah, it, we we couldn't let this pass. And the problem is, Marvel's going to give us a lot of opportunities to complain. And we will. Oh, oh, we will. Because fuck it. But yeah, just these in particular uh, with certain events that have happened. And it's, again, uh, I like to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. It's like, oh, no, we just used this an idea as an idea. We really think it would actually be happening at the same time we're releasing the books. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Make mine DC. Yes. Until I see Dr. Manhattan. And then it's all over. Then it's image, baby. Image. Okay. Let's talk DC just briefly. And I have no notes on this. I just remember reading it and really liking it. Deathstroke 11. This is an awesome one and done. Yes. Written by Priest. Uh, pencils by Dennis Cohen, uh, who was, I will always stand by his art from the question oh, that back was, in the 80s. That's a great run. Inks by Bill Sienkiewicz. This is a, a, just a great looking book. It's the art is spectacular. It's a great style for Deathstroke. Yes, in a street level adventure where the conceit is somebody has hired Deathstroke to help clean up the streets of I don't want to say real world Chicago, but a Chicago like ours where there is a huge amount of gun violence, 
and gang violence and violence has begat violence. So mothers of gang members who were killed have pooled their money to try to hire Deathstroke and Jack Ryder, the creeper, (laughs) (laughs) as a reporter is trying to investigate this rumor that Deathstroke, the Terminator, master assassin, is cutting a swath through Chicago's gangs, never using a gun to prove a point to stop the violence, and yet it doesn't stop the violence because it's just more violence, and now people want to retaliate against the mothers who are retaliating against the gang members. It's a snake eating its own tail. Yeah, all beautifully drawn by these two you know, classic 1980s artists. And yeah, all done in one with just a great final stinger line about, uh, yeah, this is not going to cure Chicago. Deathstroke has an idea of what would cure Chicago, and it's a pure, cynical, no, I, I am of a different world yeah. <laughs> line. Uh, this is just, this was my favorite issue of the week. Yeah, I, it was, it's ironic in a way, because we talk about like, well, you know, the, how, how do I escape if... You know, this is just being grounded in in that which is already happening in my world, if this is ripped from the headlines. Um, again, to go back to the word you used earlier, catharsis. <laughs> there was there was a comeuppance for um, a, a significant character at the end of this that was satisfying. The characters all behaved as they are supposed to. Nobody had to write them in a different way than you would expect in order for the story to move forward. All the characters acted like they were supposed to. Yeah, it's <laughs> the the catharsis was built into it. In as Deathstroke is apparently moving through gangs, yes, people who you would think have it coming seem to have it coming. <laughs> Compare that to Marvel, where no, that guy's had a shield now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a very different feeling to it. So it's. Still sort of ripped from the headline storytelling, but done much more masterfully and in a satisfying way. And yes, clearly Priest has a message about Chicago and gang violence. But you know what? He's not going to spend the next eight months telling us what it is. Exactly. And this came out on time. On time matters. (laughs) The sixth issue of Justice League versus Suicide Squad came out, and it creates a whole new Justice League of America, introduces new characters, does everything an event should. On time. Six fucking weeks. One, two, three, four, five, six. Every issue on time, and we can move on. DC has their shit tight, yo. I'm not even supposed to be here today. So, in summary. (laughs) DC good, Marvel bad. (laughs) And uh, that's all we really have to say this evening. So, uh, thank you for joining us. (laughs) I I got one more thing. I burn my family alive. I like to light things on fire. Of course you do, hon. It's a Yeah, this is a weird book in that uh, I think you you and I have both gone out of our way to not spoil it. Yes, actually. and it's it's hard to do and talk about the the plot. Also, uh, that, so yes, it's that good. But also as a reintroduction to DC Rebirth of the Creeper, yes, and sort of a different oh, kind of interpretation of the character. Absolutely, and and there's even uh, a reference to it in the book. Like he, 
there's a, a level of self-awareness about it. Yeah, in that, the book. that he knows this is new. Yeah. So <laughs> so yeah, it's I mean <laughs> I'd say if you're a creeper fan. Who's a creeper fan? I'm a creeper fan. Who's walking around? Oh, that going, sounded awful. Got loud out of my mouth. I mean I, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, our Facebook's about to become a whole lot different. But <laughs> I mean, I, I've been to dozens of comic conventions. I've never seen Creeper cosplay. No, I might though. After this, who knows? <laughs> you, you never know. But uh, so yeah, it's. It, I just got a sense. Priest sort of gets a kick out of the Creeper and said, "You know what? Uh, yeah, I'll do the reintroduction." And I've got sort of an idea. He can make it kind of darker and more grounded. Yeah, and uh, not even darker, but more grounded and, and uh, vital. Because yeah, it felt like a vital character with kind of a mission. Yeah, but now yeah. I want a Jack Ryder comic out of this. Yeah, I would take that. Yeah. So. Like even if it's a mini series, that that'd be all right. Yeah, sorry, drink a beer. <coughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, th- this was uh, the issue of the week, and uh, despite us ranting about Civil War, there were a few good issues this week. This week's Daredevil, which I don't think uh, you've gotten to on the pile, I have not, but was clearly a, cl- a case of parallel thinking between uh, Tom King on Batman and Charles Sewell on Daredevil. Okay. With Let's take a step back and examine why these characters do the things they do. Daredevil this week, and I forget the issue number, uh, was very good uh, on a run of Daredevil that has gone from a very good issue to four or five. Uh, I think Blind Spot was a mistake. Daredevil's a loner. Giving him a partner, <laughs> bad idea. Giving him a partner as motivation to do something, which happened in this episode, in this issue rather, mm-hmm. it was very good. So okay. there were some good comics this week. Good. But yeah, Deathstroke, which has been fairly solid. We've talked about one or two issues since it's been relaunched with uh, with Priest. Yes. Uh, this was just the book of the week. I agree. It's uh, looking at what Marvel's doing with Secret Empire, and then to go to this, it's like, yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> one <laughs> company has their shit together. Yeah. And it's not the one you'd think. It's, it's not, and I feel kind of bad about that. Not me. I'm a DC guy. There you go. Back from high school. I'm glad to see him back on top. <laughs> that said, give me back Peter Parker, who's uh, not a fucking billionaire. That's that's part of why Marvel sucks right now. <laughs> God damn it, I'd piss on a spark plug if I thought it'd do any good. <laughs> Again, I'm trying to retire some of the old ones. I, I have a few new sound effects that I haven't ported to the soundboard yet. Okay. You'll get them in the next couple of weeks. All right, this already ran longer than I thought it would when we came down here with a half a page of notes. And well, that's a good thing I didn't start anything in the oven upstairs thinking that we'd be done soon. Uh, right, <laughs> we'll burn the house down. So, uh, yeah, to give you an indication, it's 8 o'clock on uh, Tuesday night. All right. Yeah, this will probably be online by 9 o'clock. Okay, cool. So, <laughs> very much live to tape. And now the alcohol's overtaken the caffeine, so we should probably wrap it up. Anything else we want to talk about? I or? think we've got it. All right. We will try to go back to our regular schedule uh, for next Monday. Otherwise, thanks for, stick- thanks for sticking with us for the extra day uh, <laughs> so we can get our shit together. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so I don't know where you found this particular episode of the podcast because God only knows where I'll put it when I'm done with this, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, we are on Facebook, and you can always send us a message there. I have been trying to do more there, but we will definitely get a message because it's on my phone now. So facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives. We are on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. Uh, we are on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Infinite Midlife. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, and you can certainly subscribe to the podcast there. And if you just happen to be there, uh, wandering around, uh, looking at our old list of podcasts. Why does this all say Fist of? <laughs> <laughs> 
Don't go that far back. Those shows sucked. Uh, but you can uh, do us a favor. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Not on those old shows, uh, but on the newer ones. It helps new people find the find the show. You can find us on TuneIn Radio and uh, Google Play and Stitcher Radio. We're proud members of the proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And you can always email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. S- send Rob meds. <laughs> uh, yeah, pump my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been episode 141 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and herp. Don't blame me. Stand in the Oswald. Not for Marvel. <laughs>